Hey, and welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas. Today we're going to talk about anemic neglect. Um, so this was a rabbit hole I went down when I started looking into doing an episode about um, selective memory. Um, and uh, this is kind of the best, you know, specific example of that because it's kind of a broad topic. And it's this whole, like, range of bias where basically if someone gives you feedback, you will remember the positive feedback better than the negative feedback. And there are certain conditions for this to happen. One is that, um, you know, the feedback is negative, like the traits basically. Um but it also has to be uh, self-referent. So in other words, um, the negative feedback has to be about you specifically. So basically if someone talks crap about somebody else um, or if they talk, say good things about somebody else, right? You'll re- equally remember the good things they say about the person and the bad things they say about the person. Same set of traits, if you're you know, meant to apply them to yourself, you will remember the positive ones better. Um, and then the third thing is that it has to be a core belief about yourself, right? So if someone criticizes like your fashion sense and you don't really think of yourself as someone with good fashion sense anyway, you might actually remember that critique. But if they criticize like your taste in food and that's something, you're a foodie, that's core to your beliefs, you actually might not remember that one as well. Um, so those three factors, it has to be negative, it has to be about you, and it has to like address a core belief about yourself, um, what they call central self-conception, um, then you are less likely to remember it. Um, and this has to do with how our memories kind of protect our self-concept at all costs. Um, and there are a whole bunch of different theories about how this works. Um, but one of them I find kind of interesting is this notion is when you're like retrieving a memory, the first thing you'll do is you'll check to see if the information matches yourself concept, right? Um, And if not, your brain's like, well, screw that. And it just goes no further with that particular memory, right? If it does, like, check out with your, you know, self-concept, then it's like, okay, well, now let me check it back against episodic memory to, like, make sure that this is actually um, a correct and real memory. Um, That means more processing. And in the world of memory, more processing means the more likely you're going to remember it. Um, there's this notion where basically the more a neuron fires, the more likely it is to fire again, and that's really how memory works. So the more times you remember something or more, more time you spend processing something, the more likely you are to remember it. Uh, so that's sort of one theory about why you'll remember the positive things, or at least the things that align with your self-concept more than the things that don't. Um, so there's some interesting like variants on this. So uh, people have done research into health and health advice, and generally how you think about your health or how healthy you think you are can influence how much you remember about health recommendations. So there's one study, and I'll I'll link to this in the the show notes on our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash cognitive bias podcast. So there was one study, um, and I'll just quote the, uh, the abstract here. In the first study, individuals' attitudes about the value of alcohol consumption influenced their memory for pro versus anti-alcohol information, right? So if you're like, yeah, I don't have a drinking problem, drinking is fine. If someone's like, oh, drinking's terrible, like here's a list of reasons why, you will not remember those reasons. <laughs> or you'll not remember them as well. And there's another uh, part of it, uh, again, quoting from the abstract, participants displayed better memory for behavioral recommendations consistent with the idea that they were healthy than for recommendations which challenged those beliefs, right? So again, if you think you're a generally healthy person and you sort of get information and recommendations that are like, yeah, you're a healthy dude, do this versus, oh, here's some things to do if you're in poor health, you're not going to remember the ones that have to do with poor health because you don't think you're in poor health, right? Um, 
So I found that kind of interesting. There's another related bias um, called a fading affect bias, which is basically the idea that your emotions around bad experiences fade faster than your emotions around good ones. Um, and this is interesting because like, I think one of the things influencing this isn't just like the initial memory that forms when you have the bad experience, but they think it has to do with the recoding that happens after, right? So if you tell the story of something good that happens to you and you tell that story a lot, right, you'll recode that memory a bunch of times. And the story might change a bit, but you get the basic structure, right? Um, a bad experience, as you retell it, you might, like, generally we have this shift toward making it not quite as bad as it was or making ourselves look a little better than maybe it was. Um, and so we're recoding it slightly differently each time. And so the, the recoding, um, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't the, 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 uh, the affect, the feeling around it fades more because we're kind of making it nicer each time or we're not remembering it quite as clearly each time. Um, so they, they think it's more about the recoding of the memory versus just how much of an impact the memory might have had, the, the bad experience had the first time it happened versus how much of an impact the good experience had. Um, so what uh, another interesting um, variation on this, and we've seen kind of versions of this before. So if you are primed, like let's say I'm doing an experience and I'm priming you to uh, improve yourself, and I say, hey, here's all these cool things about improving yourself, or you're the type of person who improves yourself, uh, the mnemic neglect is diminished, right? So if you actually think you're the type of person who might benefit from critical feedback, you might remember it more because you're able to reframe that feedback in a way that isn't really challenging your self-concept because part of your self-concept is, hey, I get better over time. Um, so that's one approach to sort of thinking about, you know, how to think about critical feedback if you want to remember it. Um, it's also limited uh, between friends. So they did an experiment where friends were giving each other the negative feedback. And again, perhaps because of that relationship, people remembered the negative feedback as well as the positive more than they did if it wasn't someone they knew. Um, so as I was researching this, I found myself honestly not relating that much to it because I know when I get bad feedback, I remember, I feel like I remember it very distinctly. Or when I have bad experiences, I feel like I remember them very distinctly. And so I came across this one variation, which, oh, okay, made me kind of get it. So dysphoric patients and patients or individuals who um, have dysphoria or individuals who suffer from anxiety, this effect is flipped. So dysphoria is um, basically a profound state of unease, right? And it's not the same as depression or anxiety, but it kind of accompanies them. Um, and then anxiety is anxiety, right? You're just kind of worried all the time. So I kind of suffer from anxiety. I definitely, you know, feel that. And um, I don't know if I have dysphoria per se, but uh, but that to me like tracks, right? I know that, you know, I tend to have kind of a different baseline for these things. So this part of the research actually did resonate with me very much. So the impact is reversed for people with high anxiety. Um, dysphoric uh, individuals actually believe that negative information is more self-referent than positive information. So if you think about that notion of protecting your self-concept, in this case, remembering the negative feedback is actually doing a better job <laughs> of... Um, of, of, of preserving your self-concept because your self-concept is already kind of negative, right? You're already sort of in a place where you think, oh, I'm not that great. So if I'm getting negative feedback, oh, that tracks, that must be true. I'm going to remember it better. Um, and one of the things they think is going on there is like, you, if you suffer from anxiety, you might elaborate more on central negative information, right? You might take it and do more, your brain might do more with it and chew on it longer than if you don't have anxiety. That plus a defect in the ability to neglect negative information. So this is another one of those biases where it's like kind of sort of healthy to have it. And 
you know, the anemic neglect, the ability for your body or for your mind to kind of neglect this negative information can actually kind of be a good thing. And if it's impaired in some way, you're kind of letting in more negative information than perhaps is healthy. Um, so that's another aspect to it. Um, another interesting variation here, though, um, and again, that we've seen flavors of before is uh, anxious individuals, right, can recall unmodifiable negative traits more readily than modifiable ones. What I mean there is if I say, hey, here's this thing about you that's not great, and it's something you can never change. Like, there's no way this will ever, you know, you can ever improve this particular thing about yourself. Versus, hey, here's this thing that's not great about you, but you can actually work on it. It's actually not, not, not that hard. You could actually fix this, right? The thing that I can fix, I'll actually have less, um, less memory for. Um, and the thing that's unmodifiable, I'll be able to remember better. And again, because remember, the anemic neglectomy is flipped now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's weird. Basically, if I don't think I can do anything about it, again, that's sort of adhering more to my like notion of like preserving the negative um, and the negative self-concept, then, oh, if I can work on that, well, that doesn't really adhere to my core concept, right? That's, that's changeable. Um, so anyway, that is all for this week. Um, uh, for the Cognitive Bias Podcast, I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, and we will see you next time.